0: grown up with the team, gotten into the adult years, listened to the team talk about itself from time to time, whether it be through the radio broadcast or TV broadcast or those that support the team and maybe on the team's payroll, that eventually you start to feel like every once in a while, you hear a company line, like they're pushing a narrative that you're like, that isn't true, but they're kind of hoping people will kind of follow them along in it and I felt like I heard that this week and I heard it concerning Dallas Keuchel coming off of his first respectable game last weekend and it was it was a respectable game but overall you know that he has a limit to his innings or you're you're in for another 20 million next year and he has been a lot more bad than he's been good and I think most logical White Sox fans see that with him and you're wondering what are they going to do with him you got Johnny Quato looming in AAA, looking pretty good, and a lot of buzz around him. And the Sox unsure about what they're going to do, where he's going to fit. Are you going to eat Dallas's money? And I'm listening to the radio broadcast the other night, and Len Casper's talking with DJ Darren Jackson. And I've talked with DJ before. Seems like a really nice guy. DJ has actually become a pretty good color guy. Early on, I wasn't a big fan, but I'm okay. I I like what he does, and I like what he's doing with Len right now. But he starts talking about the starting pitching staff as being really good. And it has been good. Overall, the starting pitching staff has been good. Dylan Cease, overall, very good. Michael Kopech, very good. Lucas Giolito, very good. And he's going through these pitchers, and he's giving out their earned run averages, their ERAs. And he's using that as an example as to why those three are good. And he goes, Vince Velasquez, look at what he's done. And he gives out his ERA. And then he gets to Dallas Keuchel. And he goes, Dallas Keuchel's got a really high ERA. But you know that ERA wouldn't be that high if it weren't for all the errors that caused those runs. DJ, I know you're trying to push that Dallas Keuchel is just as good as the other four starters on this team. But ERA means earned run average and runs caused by errors are not included in your ERA. All of that is Dallas Keuchels. That's what we're here for though. Belly on up to the nine foot homemade Oak bar and pour yourself a cold one because these are the things that we observe. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement, 30 minutes of Socks for fans by fans, and it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions for bowing walls, window wells, foundation, and crack repair. Have your sump pump looked at and replace gutter cleaning. Drain the water out of your yard. Keep it away from your foundation. Keep your basement dry. They even do crawl space encapsulation. Family and veteran owned and operated since they started in 2013, and as you heard at the beginning of the show, they're giving away $500 in free gas. All you have to do is sign up for a service, make it official, get the low-pressure estimate, make a decision, say, yeah, I'm in, and you are entered if you do that by the end of June uh, for a chance to win one of two $250 gas cards, 24/7 service, 708-330-4466. Mention socks in the basement. You get money off as well at FamilyDry.com. And uh, the gas thing—I mean, I think I'm up to about 80 bucks at this point when I when I fill up the tank. Yeah, I'm uh, now as I, I factor in my my cost of entertainment when I go down to the ballpark. I also think, well, how much gas am I spending to get down there? It's getting ridiculous. So you, you want one of those cars, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's
1: what a great deal. Get your basement taken care of and uh, then make sure you can fill up your car one time because, you know, that's <laughs> really – you're right. It's – it is a factor, isn't it? it now, anything you want to do, you got to factor in how much gas it's going to cost you. And I'm right there with you. It's it's eighty to hundred bucks, depending on which car I'm driving. So it, it's insane. Yeah, it, it is completely insane. And um, I, I have heard, I have heard now that uh, what they're going to do for White Sox games, though, is that they're going to empty your gas tank for you in lieu of you paying to get into the parking lots. <laughs> so you'll have to push your car out, but. It'll only cost you twice as much.
0: All right, let's talk about this weekend series briefly, Sox Yankees, uh, which brings out the worst people in the entire world, Ed, not Yankee fans, people born and raised in Chicago who claim to be Yankee fans, the worst people. In oh, the entire those world.
1: are the worst people.
0: OK, I, I like I had this sweet old man that lived next door to me. And when we bought this house, and I've been in this house now for 16 years and he was next door for about the first seven or eight of them. John. John used to climb up on his roof and fix his own shingles at like the age of 95 years old. God bless John. Everything about John was awesome. I used to think John was the coolest guy. Look at this guy. He just keeps going no matter how old he is. He sits in the backyard and is in his uh, t-shirt and he listens to ball games. right? And one day I'm asking him about the game. And I'm, I'm like, ah, you got the Sox on or the Cubs? Because I haven't figured out if he's a Sox or a Cubs fan. He goes, ah, I got the Sox on, but this isn't my team. And I go, what? you don't have what, what's your team? And he goes, I'm a Yankee fan. Been a Yankee fan my entire life. Yankee fan since I was a kid. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. And I'm like, oh, you're from New York? He goes, no. No, I grew up right here in Chicago on the south side. And I just want to jump across the fence at that point and just have a fist fight with a 95-year-old man. They are the most annoying people. How do you have two teams? In your own hometown, and you pick the Yankees, unless, of course, you're a front runner who goes for teams that win and never suffers with your team until you actually get to the win. I have no respect for those people. They make me sick to my stomach. And this is the kind of series that brings them out of the woodwork.
1: Well, not just out of the woodwork. I mean, I think they come parachuting in out of the sky. It's like red dawn with right. Yankees fans from the south side of Chicago. Or even worse, Yankees fans from Wisconsin who make the drive down. Oh,
0: they're, they're even worse Yankee fans from Wisconsin. Okay, Michigan Yankee fans. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. I mean, it's, seriously, Yankee fans who are not from New York, who never lived in New York, were never, who have never traveled to New York. I think that's what bothered me most about John. I was like, you ever been to a Yankee game? No, i never been to New York. Never once. You're 95 years old. You are born on the south side. You claim the Yankees to be your team, and you've never even gone there. Like, that kind of stuff drives me nuts. I don't feel bad for him that he never got to a Yankee game. I'm annoyed with him that he picked them as his team, right? I'm annoyed that he grew up in a town that had two sports teams. He's like, no, I'm going with the front-running Yankees. Because, you know, like, I mean, I kept trying to do, like, the math, and I'm like, no, he just basically picked the Yankees because the Yankees won all the time. That's why he picked them. It's clear. He didn't care about his own team. He's the kid that sat in school and annoyed everybody else by saying my team won the World Series again and everybody else would be mad at him. I just didn't see it because I got him late in life. He was like a jerk, obviously, when he was young. I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but he was a Yankee fan, so I don't feel that bad about it.
1: Now, the only thing that could be maybe, maybe worse are when Boston fans show uh-huh. up that aren't from Boston. Because that means, that means you couldn't even be the front runner.
0: Did you hear them during that series calling themselves title town? Did you hear how many times that was mentioned during the Apple broadcast during that series?
1: Yeah, this is title yeah. town.
0: I hate you. I hate all of you because you know what? I was in my 20s and you guys hadn't won a thing in any sport for like 50 some years. And all you did was cry about it. You they were, they were basically what Cub fans were until they won in 2016, but more curse obnoxious of the Bambino, about it. All the oh, Bambino. Oh.
1: We were cursed. Right. They made,
0: Curses. they made Cubs fans tolerable with the way they acted about their curse the whining and the moaning and the grousing, and then they finally win one. And then all of a sudden they thought they were the Yankees. And then they get Tom Brady as their quarterback for their team up there. And they go on, they win like something they have three so far in the last 20 years. I think world series, I hate them. Okay. And they get all the press because half of the guys that are on ESPN, like grew up Boston fans. Oh my God. They're worse. They're terrible too. The the whole show has started off with me just being angry about AL East teams. Okay, we need to beat these right. so teams for me to be happy. What's wrong with Tampa
1: Bay? You, do you have any idea how much I hate Tampa? No, I, I actually... No, you am...
0: should hate Tampa. Tampa tried to steal your team in the 80s. That, they built, oh, that, stadium. Right. They built that stadium. They built right. that stadium to steal the White Sox from here. They built that stadium because they thought Jerry Reinstorf would move the team to Tampa. And in reality, he was just kind of like, you know, he was kind of deacon and moving and getting them to build a stadium so he can get the state of Illinois to pay for it. okay. So he didn't have to really pay for it. He got a great deal by getting another town to build a stadium. But no, you have every right to hate Tampa. You can hate Tampa. I'm fine with that. You can hate the Orioles. Okay. We've had Ron Kittle on this show before. In 1983, the Orioles, in his opinion, hit him on purpose and got him knocked out of the game. And it changed everything in that series. The Sox could have gone on to go play for the World Series that year. And you got that. right Kittle right. said that on the show. So you could hate them too. All right. And don't forget about Toronto. Don't forget about 1993, how you lose the first two games. You go to Toronto, you win the next two, and then you're not able to pull the whole thing out. And they were all so jovial out there. And they had Robbie Alomar. So no, any AL East team you find, I can find a reason to hate them. Okay. I have far more hatred for American league East teams than any other division. There is no collective group of baseball teams that I dislike more as a White Sox fan. And I don't think you can find a collective group like you can find a, a team here or a team there in a division, but to find an entire division in which I could find a reason to hate their teams. Okay. Other than your own, of course, because in your own division, you're a rival with everybody, but looking outside the AL East, it is gratifying to me whenever we beat them. Remember this weekend and anytime the White Sox are in town, the place to be, 33rd in Princeton, Cork and Kerry at the park. You already know that. You heard Herb Lawrence on the show just a couple of days ago. If you missed it, go back and listen on demand. All of our shows are on demand. Anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. But Herb was even talking about it. He's like, that's like my favorite place to go. I know that's the Sox in the Basement joint. And we've been with them for the last couple of years. They've been with us supporting this show. And before the game, after the game, it is time to get over the cork and carry at the park. It is really the best option if you're looking to get food out there. I mean, first of all, pricing, quality, uh, not having to deal with the crazy idiosyncrasies that are part of the ballpark. And you get a nice, relaxed atmosphere. I saw a post the other day, and it's true. I've never mentioned it on the show before. But they had put out something just the other day on social media like, yeah, of course, kids are welcome. And they are. OK, I see kids in there. I see families that pop in there, especially before the game. You know, dad gets in there, gets him a couple of pops. He has a couple of his own kind of pops and has himself an award winning burger. It's a great spot to be 33rd in Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark. Award winning menu of burgers, as I mentioned, and an extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorite spirits and wines. Your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties, Cork and Carry at the Park. So I want to talk about the lineup that the, the White Sox ran out on Thursday against the Yankees for Game 1. Because you had a day off that was unexpected against the Guardians on Wednesday. You can really bring out your best to start off that series. It's putting on the Reds' time. Oh, yeah. You, you were playing some subs, it was obvious, but you know who was available by looking at the lineup that was going to be on Wednesday and then what the White Sox send out on Thursday after everybody gets an extra day of rest because they don't play that game. I believe that Tony La Russa has a different starting nine than most of us have. In fact, his starting nine might be different than what, than what Rick Hahn set up for him because he put together, in my opinion, who he believes are the best starting nine of the players that are available. Anderson leading off and playing short, Juan Mancada batting second, playing third. Jose Abreu first base. Luis Robert center field. Yasmani Grandal catching. Gavin Sheets DHing. AJ Pollock left field. Adam Engel right field. Lurie Garcia second base. Now we know Josh Harrison was available to play on Wednesday because he was in the lineup. So. We know he didn't all of a sudden, something happened to him. I mean, I'd be shocked if I find out that something happened between not playing a game and getting the Thursday's game. So with your lineup at full strength, Tony La Russa believes his starting second baseman is Larry Garcia. Now, I don't know if Rick Hahn believed that the way he set up the team. I don't think he goes and he gets Josh Harrison for him to be the utility guy that comes into the game and then Larry goes someplace else. And maybe this explains why we've seen so much of Garcia in the lineup, because Tony in his head sees him as a starter. And maybe that's where the disconnect is between the fan base and Tony, because Tony sees him as a different player than I think the majority of us see him as. And again, this is not a, I'm going to pick on Larry Garcia. This is me just trying to make the observation of we're all looking at him as a sub because his career stats say that's what he is and that's what he should be. But the the manager sees him as the starting second baseman right now. Do you think I'm crazy when I see that lineup to say that that's how the manager sees him when you know everybody's available and they're all coming off a day of rest going into a big series?
1: No, I don't think that that's incorrect at all because they're facing a rookie pitcher and it's not like it's somebody that you could sit there and go, oh, we can look and see that Josh Harrison has this huge deficit in his numbers against this guy where he's just never touched this dude for nothing.
0: Right, or Garcia has huge numbers against him, and that's why we're playing him.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So it's not a matchup-based thing. So I, I,
1: I just I think you're right. I think Larry Garcia has showed up every day. Le'Ere Garcia has been in the lineup pretty much every day. And that's because Tony views him as a starter on this team. He just likes the fact that he can start him various places. Now, the thing that I think makes me happy, at least with that, is with the injuries in the outfield— Tony has the opportunity to choose Josh Harrison and Larry Garcia instead of choosing Adam Engel and Larry Garcia, or could choose to put Gavin Sheets out there and DH somebody else, but instead he actually did something that I think is smart, which is basically treat Adam Engel as the fourth outfielder and the guy that has to step up and play when you don't have your full complement of players. I do wonder if... Along the same lines of Larry Garcia being the starting second baseman, if Tony views Andrew Vaughn as a starting outfielder on this team, and he would be in there in place of Adam Engel.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's possible that he would do that. Look, Steve Stone put out a tweet that I thought was very interesting. He put out a tweet that covered a bunch of different things. I want to say it came out on Thursday afternoon. I believe this. I believe that. And somewhere in the middle of it, there was just this line. There was just this one little line too many players playing out of position. And that's true. I feel like Stone like kind of took one of his big criticisms about how the White Sox lineups have been and he inserted it into his musings that there are too many infielders playing outfield and too many outfielders not where they're supposed to be. I mean there's just there are guys that are playing positions that they're not meant to play. Now some of that is a necessity and some of that is just because the manager keeps doing it. Okay? I mean Gavin Sheets shouldn't be in the outfield. OK, I mean, I know everybody loves his bat, but all things being equal, you would want to see Aloy Jimenez healthy out in the outfield over Gavin Sheets, not only for his bat, but because I actually I actually believe in Aloy more in the outfield than I do in Gavin Sheets. OK, uh, you, of course, Luis Robert, Adam Engel's better defensively. Uh, and then and then I would say Andrew Vaughn for any of his adventures that he's had out there. I Am I crazy to think that I I feel that he is a more competent outfielder. Like if Tony said, Andrew Vaughn can play first base, he can play the outfield, and in a pinch, I might even stick him at second. I can accept that more than I can accept uh, Sheets out in the outfield. And I also, to go back to what you said, I am happy when he puts together his lineup that Adam Engel is in the outfield and Garcia is at second base rather than it being Harrison at second base and Garcia's in right. I think I would rather have it the way that it is. Like, I can accept Garcia at second more than I can accept Garcia and right. We've gone over this before. We've kind of talked about it. And I, I feel like it's an adventure with him in the outfield at times. And I'd rather have the the plus plus-plus outfield defense and and just put a guy... Because, you know, look at teams over the years. Sometimes they find a guy who's got a great bat, they stick him at second base, and they, they eat the defense. You, you've seen a lot of teams do that over the years. So I'm, I'm more willing to eat the defense at second where even though I think Harrison can play a better second base, I'd rather eat that than have them eat the defense in right field. I think a strong outfield really makes things easier on this team, and we've talked about that before as well. Cease and Giolito and Kopech, they need an outfield that gets around because they're not ground ball pitchers.
1: No, they're not, and even the two ground ball pitchers that are on the team, Dallas Keuchel for the moment and uh, Aaron Bummer whenever he gets back, you know, those guys are as much... A the positioning and the advanced scouting on where guys tend to hit is going to help them more so than just saying that Larry Garcia or Josh Harrison as an individually great defender will make all that much of a difference. Frankly, from an infield defense standpoint, it would help if Tim Anderson would stop throwing the ball all over the place. I know. But that's, you know, that was also part of Stone's tweet where he's saying, you know, he, he will get better and, you know, he is better than this and he knows he's better. And some guys just go through a funk, but When Larry re-signed in the offseason, and there was some, you know, some folks joked about it, some folks I think were genuinely concerned that his contract was an indicator that he was the starting second baseman for lack of wanting to see him anywhere else or, you know, the fact that other positions were covered. I, I think we just, at this point, accept that Larry is going to be treated as a starting second baseman, that he is going to be used on an almost daily basis, Uh, you know, he'll get his rest too. But also that the one positive that has developed this year that maybe wasn't there last year as much is that outfielders at this point, there's a group of them, which includes Andrew Vaughn, that Tony clearly trusts at the plate and in the field, and he's going to keep them there. They have veteran infielders that can move around, and it's not just Danny Mendick and Larry Garcia on the bench it's also Josh Harrison that they can cover a lot of ground there too and make up for guys needing days off or guys being hurt. The other other good thing is, is that that means that that relegates a guy like Gavin Sheets when we're not dealing with injuries down the stretch if everybody's healthy, you're going to see Gavin Sheets one or two places, DHing or playing first. And that's really the only two places you want him. That also means you're only going to see Yasmani Grandal catching or DHing because you're not going to need him to cover Jose Abreu at first. The team is much more balanced, which is
0: good. And maybe that's the plan. You know, like I, I, I always try to find a method to the madness because some of it seems like madness. But is it possible I'm seeing so much Reese McGuire because we're saving Grandal's knees for when we want to keep him in the lineup more later? Okay, when everybody's back healthy and you want to get everybody in there. You're really either going to have McCatcher or nowhere at all, or you don't want to. Ha- you want to be able to, like maybe McGuire doesn't play very much in the second half, so let's just keep Grandal as fresh as possible early on. I, I I don't know. I don't know what the the philosophy is. I'm just trying to just trying to figure out what they're doing. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing with their pitching staff right now. I have a theory for you. I I really do. I you look at the day off that they had before the Boston series, where you could have skipped Keuchel and they didn't. And then you look at the unexpected day off against the Indians on Wednesday. And I saw this White Sox team twice flip around their starters where they were at. And it's interesting what they're doing. It almost seems like they would rather make sure that Dylan Cease and to an extent, Lucas Giolito and Michael Kopech are going up against weaker starting pitching. Almost like we know that we have an odds-on favorite chance to win this game if we run out the mustached man, Michael Kopech, or Lucas Giolito, against a guy with an ER rate that's in the 5 or the 6. like The guy who's pitching really bad for this team, that's who we want them to go up against. Because you moved Cease around, remember, last weekend against the Red Sox, and you flipped him in Keiko. And at the time, Keiko was going up against Michael Waka. Well, I think he had an ERA about one and a half. Now, he ends up getting injured, and he's on the, on the IL, but you didn't know that until after you made that move and ceased pitched. So he was the announced guy for Sunday. So what you did is you said, oh, well, Velasquez is up against Ivaldi, great pitcher, but we know we got Pavetta with an ERA in the sixes, and we're going to take our best starter, and we're going to win that game on Saturday. That's a, that's a win. Pencil it in. And then you see what happened with this unexpected day off. You could have moved things around. You could have easily gone Cease versus Cole. And the White Sox don't do that. The White Sox instead, they seem very willing to bounce Velasquez and and Keuchel around. They want to keep Cease and Giolito and Kopech on pretty much the same schedule no matter what. And if they can give him an extra day, they're going to give him an extra day. But again, you get Cease up against the guy who is brand new. It's his first start ever coming out of AAA, right? The weaker of the two pitching options, if you could go up against Cole or go up against that AAA pitcher. Like, I, look, this could be a crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, but there could be a reason why you're taking your best pitchers and throwing them up against, you know, subpar pitchers because you can at least say, well, we're going to win that game or we feel really confident we're going to win that game. It doesn't always work out. But then, you know, then we got a puncher's chance in the other ones if Keuchel all of a sudden does well. And if not, we're probably going to get beat by this guy anyway. And I, I don't necessarily
1: hate that theory of, you know, try and secure the wins you can absolutely secure and, you know, maybe try and just get lucky against pitchers that you have concerns about. But at the same time, if that really is what's going on, then that means that you are you're not willing to try and steal wins that maybe you shouldn't by sitting there saying, look, I'm going to throw Dylan Cease up against Garrett Cole. I'm going to see if we can get a pitcher's duel going on and we can win that close game. Now, granted, you know, as we're sitting here talking about Dylan Cease, he's given up five runs over the course of three innings and should never pitch to Giancarlo Stanton again, apparently. But at the same time, if this happens where you do have a bad game from Cease, where a guy that you've been relying on, or Giolito, he's going to have a bad game. We've seen Lucas Giolito get bombed out. He got bombed out in Boston last year really badly. And you're going to see it when Lance Lynn comes back, and Michael Kopeck's going to have a bad game. I mean, pitchers do that, right? So what you're risking, though, is, is that if you always try and say, we're going to get this game by throwing our ace, one of our aces against one of their worst that it's going to backfire because the team's not going to be able to pick up the rookie, and they're not going to do as well against him. Or your guy's going to have a bad game, and now instead of saying, okay, we at least have Dylan Cease going up against Garrett Cole tomorrow, we're looking at Velasquez or we're looking at Keichel, and you're looking at maybe losing two of the games instead of, you know, being able to sit there and say, hey, we've got – we've got a really good chance against their best too. I it's I think you could go either way, and I do understand them trying to keep certain guys on a, on a certain schedule. I think a lot of teams do that. But I also think that if you're talking about Vince Velasquez and Dallas Keuchel as two guys that you're worried about in the rotation, maybe those are the guys that you don't want to monkey with quite as much either, and maybe you do try and move around Kopak a little bit because you're also managing his innings. And it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you said, all right, I'm going to skip him this time because I don't want these five innings in May. I want these five innings in August.
0: There are a lot of White Sox fans that have been in a panic, especially after what happened earlier in the week with them just imploding against the Indians and you know, looking at the, at the record and seeing that they're in second place. Before the Yankee series started, the White Sox actually entering that series at 15 and 14 through 29 games. Through 29 games last year, your American League Central Division champion White Sox were only a game better at 16 and 13. I decided that White Sox fans are watching a lot of these games, and I think I hinted at this last week. They're watching a lot of these games like they're watching the 60-game the shortened 2020 season. And you're going to have your ups and you're going to have your downs. That's why it's curious to me if the White Sox are employing something where they're like, we just want to take a couple of series. We just want to, you know, rest guys here and there. And we're perfectly happy if we lose a game because of it. We like this right now early on because I don't think this division's going to get away from us. You know, we just want to, We just want to get everybody healthy and we just want to try to get the wins we know we can get. Now, that that doesn't seem like it's working as as this game is going on and we're sitting here recording this show for Friday morning. It doesn't seem like it's working. The Yankees though, are really, really good. You watched the pregame for the Yankees. Before, before this whole series started, it was basically like, I want to say Bonetti like goes, and this is how they've been scoring their runs. And he puts it all up there and it's like, well, they hit more home runs than anybody in baseball. And they have the hardest hit balls in baseball and they've been on this ridiculous tear. And like any, any, the stats were the scariest things I ever saw in my entire life. Like we are running into a buzzsaw this weekend with the New York Yankees. And I'm just hoping that they can do something against them. Don't, don't get just don't just get your your lunch handed to you and go back on a slide. That's, that's what I don't want to have happen, all right? I know everybody's kind of thumping their chest like, I want to kill the Yankees this whole weekend. Well, that'd be great. Just don't go on a slide. Don't just get just obliterated and then be like sitting in third place again and looking up at 500. That's all I'm worried
1: about. We could be worrying about much more important things like, whether or not Dylan Cease is really going to be able to turn that mustache into something iconic like Raleigh
0: Fingers. Well, you know, here's the worst thing. He gave up two home runs to Giancarlo Stanton. You know, Uh, like at this point, like, does the mustache become bad luck? No, it doesn't. Right. I mean, one bad start. Right. I mean, I know there'll be people calling for him to shave it on Twitter if they aren't doing it already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really mostly worried that before the game, he told Giancarlo Stanton that if you could hit two home runs, you could name each side of my mustache, and now he's going to be carrying something awful under his lip like Ross and Rachel.
0: Socks
1: in the basement. Socks in the basement.
0: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. In the basement. Heard everywhere a Podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.